Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy Boxing Day and all in between. I, uh, I got to just admit something right away. Um, this is about as nice, nicely dressed as I have ever been on Boxing Day. That is an absolute guarantee. I can, don't, don't applaud for that. That's not, well, maybe you should. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I do want to say hi to everyone who's in the pajamas at home. Bless you. I wish I was with you. A part of me is a part of my soul. I actually brought slippers with me today, and Andy took one look and was like, you can't, no, absolutely not. Not on, not on this stage. So I, uh, I really do love that we're here together and we're watching online together, that we've come to today to, to just celebrate God and all that he's done. I hope you had a great uh, Christmas yesterday. It is, like Pastor Chris was saying, the final Sunday of the year, which kind of caught me by surprise as I was preparing this, to be honest. As I was just thinking and praying into it, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't really think about that. Like, I just, I know we're ending the series, I know, but also that we're ending the year here in this moment was kind of, I think, I don't know, I, I was... I was Kind of, God just kind of put that on, on my shoulders a little bit to say, like, there's something important that's going to happen this morning across this room, across living rooms and, and different places. That I think God wants to speak to us as we close the year up together on this Sunday. Um, we are, like I said, we, we're, we're excited to end this series and go into something new, but I don't want to miss kind of the final bit here of our kind of Christmas journey. This journey that we've kind of actually mainly focused on Joseph. Primarily, we've looked at his perspective. Quite an interesting story. So if you do have a Bible, if you're following along at home, whatever it may be, we're in Matthew. We're still in chapter kind of two here. And this kind of, a lot of stuff changes here. Because you got to imagine for Joseph, he's kind of like, everything is kind of unfolded. Okay, so now he has a baby and he can kind of just move on with life, right? Like things can just start. The journey can really begin. Like a lot of stuff has happened. He's like trying to come home. He's, the census is happening. He, his, his wife, who's now his wife, I should say, who, who wasn't his wife, who the Bible actually said he wanted to divorce quietly, but now he's come together with. They now have this child. These magi come, lay gifts, worship him, and all of that has happened. It's been kind of crazy, and now finally he can just go, and he can just begin this calling that really is on Joseph and Mary's life to just be the earthly parents of the Messiah. It can kind of start and now Herod has kind of said, hey, by the way, Magi, when, uh, when you do find him, make sure you come, come find me because I want to worship him too, which was a bold-faced lie. Herod wanted Jesus dead. He was the king of the Jews, they said, and anyone who was labeled king outside of Herod was not okay with Herod. And so now we find ourselves in this place where, where Joseph is not actually at ease. Like, it's not peaceful times yet. He actually has to escape, and they, they actually begin this journey, this geographical journey, this physical. They start walking, and they begin, and, and that's where we're going to pick up. But I have to just kind of stop there and, and think for a moment. Like, it's hard enough and draining being a new dad that he's now got to travel all these different places. Like, he finds himself in this very, like, if I'm Joseph, I'm, I'm frustrated. I get frustrated. Like, I get frustrated looking at my house Boxing Day morning. You know what I mean? Is it not the messiest morning in the house? It's nuts, right? Online, all you people. That's why you didn't leave, because you just have so much to clean up. Like, that's what it is. The amount of times I had to use a screwdriver to unlock a toy for my kids yesterday, it was just like, we're not stealing $3 dinosaurs from winners. Like, why is this attached by screw? Like, it just there's wrapping paper. There's, it's just the messiest of things. Like there's, toy, like, there's a stocking on the couch that's, like, half used, and it's, like, got my stuff, and 
Georgia stuff. I'm like, how did this even, you know what I mean? It's just messy. Life is just crazy. And, and the Christmas story is just messy and crazy. And so I'd like to come here this morning and say, and everything is great. And they're, they're together as a family. And they had this great house in the suburbs. That's not how the story continues. And so we're going to pick it up here in verse 13 in the book of Matthew, chapter 2. It says this, when they had gone, when they had gone, This is now, again, they're beginning to leave. They're getting out of the place they were. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Welcome to church, Boxing Day morning, everyone. This is why, Andy, this is why you gave me this one. Killing babies on Boxing Day. Great. Just kidding, guys. I, I, I asked for it, actually. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. Joseph heard, he listened, and he obeyed. Point number one. No, but he, he, he has this moment, he has this dream, and he gets a word from an angel of the Lord, it says, and then he begins to go to Egypt. And I just want to point out something. If we, if we were to think back a little bit to that conversation that happened between Joseph and the angel at the first moment when it came to, to partnering with Mary, to really accepting Mary. Remember what I said earlier, that the Bible actually says that it was in his heart to truly, in his mind actually, to divorce Mary quietly. So Joseph's life has been completely turned upside down. But now we see kind of a transformed Joseph. We see a man who, who, who hears from the Lord and does what he says. Like something has dramatically changed in him. He had this plan to build a business. He's a carpenter. He's going to do all these things. And now everything revolves around what? His adopted son from the Lord. Like his life has been dramatically changed. And yet I see such obedience, such devotion, such call to what God is asking him to do. The message he got was important. It, was, it had changed him from the inside out. He'd accepted this new mission. He trusted whatever God was saying, not just for him, please hear this, but for his family. For his family. It was the right thing to do. This morning, I really want to tackle a little bit of this, this family perspective that I see in this final bit here as we head into the new, into chapter three and such. Friends, I want you to know here at GT, Please hear this, and if you're watching online, we pray for families. Continually, we, we pray for the families of this church. And I know that term can come with, with different contexts. I'm, I'm meaning every aspect of that. Grandparents, those who are aunts and uncles. I'm talking about blended families, single parents. Like, all of these things, kids, brothers, sisters, what we see as this family of God, we pray for your homes. We lift up the homes of this church. We lift you up. We believe that God has such a, a plan and a blessing for the families of this place and, and for you and for us. And I just want you to know when I see this scripture, as I see Joseph really change, he's kind of accepted this leadership, this, this choice to be like, we are a family. Even if I didn't you know, decide on this type of family or not, we are a family and there's a mission here. It's our heart that when we pray for you, that when we pray for families, we pray that on your family's journey, your family would follow God's agenda, not your own. That you would be a family, whatever that looks like in your context, that you would be a family that follows God's plans for your life, not your own plans for your life. That you would follow his agenda, his goals, his agenda, whatever that looks like in your, in your context right now, 
that you would follow his agenda, not your own. They, they followed God's plan, not his own. Listen, Joseph wanted to just like, put up the mom and pop shop, carpenter house. Like, I'm just going to build some furniture. The town's going to love me. This is, this is the dream. No, you're going to go to Egypt. Friends, I don't know if you remember, but Jews and Egyptians don't have the greatest history. This isn't, this isn't like, this isn't like, ooh, yay, we get to go back to the place that we were in slavery for for like hundreds of years. Like, are you serious? This is not where we want to be going. Joseph didn't ask for a sign. Are you sure, Lord? Are you sure that's where you're sending up my family? What if you just open this door? Hey, if you could just provide some of the finances, if you could just, no, 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 no. Egypt, okay, we're going to go. We're going to head there. He didn't say, listen, this isn't my son. I'll feed the boy, but he's not my blood. Didn't become resentful. He wasn't wasn't distasteful with his words. He listened, he obeyed, and he trusted that God's plan for his family was the best plan for his family. He's calling families, husbands, wives, moms, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, to lead kids, to to be responsive to what he is calling them to do. He doesn't say that's not fair. He doesn't ask for a sign. Friends, when, when, when people in the Gospels ask Jesus for a sign, he often rebuked them. And I think for us, we're often looking for that open door, that sign. I'm not saying God doesn't speak that way. But when God clearly calls you to something and our response is, are you sure, Lord? We become kind of hasty with God. We become to question his motive for you. Friends, he loves you. He's for you. He has a plan for your life, not to harm you, but to prosper you. And he speaks that over your house and over your family, everyone watching. Trust God's plan. It's so interesting. Like I said, he's a carpenter. He's got himself a business, and yet everything is changing as soon as he has a kid. I always tell people marriage counseling, listen, your life won't change much when you get married. It will change so much when you have kids. Amen? Anyone else? Like, that's when life becomes a whole, whole, like a whole, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I don't even know how to explain, but all those who have kids are like literally smiling and laughing at me right now. And everyone's like, it's not that hard. You don't even know. You don't even know, okay? It's a lot. It's a lot. And it was go time for Joseph. It was go time for Mary. They're bending over backwards, doing anything they can to keep Jesus safe. And I just wonder, in our context, in our culture, maybe what our kid, kids need is not more money in their RESPs, although that's great. That's a good thing. Maybe it's not another activity or, or class or, 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 or sport to put them in, although that's great, a really good thing. Maybe what they need to see in their house is families and parents who submit to God and follow that plan no matter what. Oh, it's like a resounding together amen. Wow, come on. And I just wonder, in, uh, friends, by the way, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach at you. This is so what I feel God has been preaching at me. George is five, both three, another one on the way, and I just see this heart that I'm like, God, I want to do whatever you're calling us to do not what I have on my plan, on my agenda. And I see Joseph stepping up. I see Mary stepping up and saying, whatever it takes to keep Jesus safe, okay, fine, we'll go to Egypt. And isn't it so interesting? And I I said this at this six not long ago. It's so interesting to me that Joseph, who is the earthly father of Jesus, past this story, we really don't hear much about him at all. Most scholars believe that he actually passed away at a young age that he wasn't there for any, any of, of Jesus' like earthly ministry. 
There is kind of a mention of him when Jesus goes to the temple, but it's, it's, it's mentioned as father. It's not mentioned, like his name isn't mentioned. And so past this story, we really don't know much about him. And so the man who, who helped raise Jesus had, had truthfully, like, he's such a humble presence in, amongst the whole story, isn't he? Like, we don't see him much. We don't hear about him. It's not about his son. It's not like that. He understands that he would, like, he is actually not his. Like, Jesus is God's. But isn't that such the heart of parents that I see resembled so often that, like, truthfully, these kids are mine to raise and to love and to cherish, but they're God's. And I just think if we have this perspective that parents were really called to, can I speak to the parents for a moment, to pastor and shepherd our kids? To pastor and shepherd our kids. And maybe it's grandparents you're raising them, or maybe it's, like I said, the family's unique, and I want to be careful on that. But I, I want to say this right now, and I want to say this to the camera, that I understand how difficult it is raising kids, or at least I've understood for five years, okay? I understand that it's hard, but I just want to speak over families and parents for a moment. Speak to the parents who may feel discouraged right now. You got this. God's with you. That your kids love you so much more than you realize. That they value and see you so much more than you know and realize. That you're doing a great job. That God is a support to you. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep loving. Keep cherishing. Keep praying for your kids. I just want to encourage the families in here, the parents in here. You're doing an awesome job. And I know that there's a lot of new age ideas and post-Christian ideas on how to parent and what to do. And so it's hard, right? When you feel like this is our plan as a family. This is where we're called to go. This is what we're meant to do. And there's all these different ideas thrown at you on what to do and how to do it. Even the other day, I was at daycare, and, and I was picking up Bo, and they're like, so we napped Bo today, and, and I, by the way, let me just say, we have a great daycare for Bo. Like, I love them, and they, Bo loves them. It's awesome, and we've, we've cut Bo's nap out, like, eight months ago. If you've met Bo, that kid, he does not need a nap, okay? He needs to be so tired by the time we hit 7.30, I can nap, amen? Okay? That's what we need in our house, and so we cut that nap out long ago so that he would actually fall asleep at the right time. And they had started napping Bo out of nowhere. And I just, why? Like, why? Why are you doing this to me? Because I noticed Bo was staying up to like 9 o'clock for like a whole week. I'm in bed at 9 o'clock, friends. This doesn't work. And then what happens is he gets really cranky because he doesn't sleep that well. And he wakes up and he's all upset. And then he needs a nap. And then we're back in this cycle. Listen, it's a call of God on my family not to nap this kid. Okay? So I didn't say that. But I remember going to our, the daycare teacher and saying, listen, I, I know that you like... He seems tired, but trust me, can we just not nap him today? And they, they said to me a couple of times, you know, if he tells us he's tired, like, we, we want to we let Bo have a nap. I'm like, Bo tells me he wants ice cream every day. I don't give him that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want ice cream every day. And Trina has to say, no, Lucas, no, that doesn't work for you, you know? And so I just remember this moment of being like, no, I understand, like, what he's saying is one thing. And actually, Bo recently learned to say, it's my own decision. So cute. Little three-year-old going, it's my own decision. I'm like, you can't even spell decision. Go to bed, you know? And I understand there's like a lot of things being thrown your way as parents. Kids in the house, if you're watching, if you're online, there's a lot of stuff being thrown your way. But come together as a family. Let your parents lead and guide you. They've been through this stuff. They know Maybe your own plan and your own decision hasn't always worked, so maybe let's trust God's plan and God's decision. Are you following me this morning?
There has to be relationship here, parents. There has to be relationship. There has to be context and comfort together. And I just want to say, even to those families, as, as we get into the next point, but really quick, even to those families or parents or, or guardians that have just like, I don't know what to do right now, can I remind you that there is always, always prayer. There's power in prayer, amen? Not too long ago, we did a book together by Mark Batterson, and he has another book that's praying circles around your, around your children. And there's this quote in it, and I heard it recently again, that the Heavenly Father should hear about your kids every single day. Man, I was convicted. I'm just begging them to go to sleep and not eat Cheerios twice a day. Like, no, no, no praying for their futures, praying for them now, praying for the years to come, praying for them as parents, praying for their spot, whatever it may be, but praying circles around them, never giving up on them, continuing to pray, even if there's been whatever, something happened or a relationship like fractured, can I just speak to you now that prayer is not just a, like a last resort, it's a powerful place where we come to God, where we intercede, where we come on, maybe even on our hands and on our knees and say, Lord, be with my kids. Be with us as a family. Be in our heart. Guide us. Lead us. Direct us in every step every day. And so I want to encourage you that even if you feel so lost and so broken and there's no relation, whatever it may be, that as a family, whatever that looks like in your context, there's always prayer. God is always there and he is always listening. Amen? I want to break down some of the theology here that's really important. Really just the history of why I think it's actually very important that Jesus went to Egypt. So much of the story of the Israelites, of the Jews, of the Hebrews, being in Egypt, coming out of Egypt, matters to Jesus' future ministry. We know that, that Moses led the Israelites out, right? The Exodus happened. We see that take place. They, they wander for 40 years. Then the 12 tribes are built up. And then we see in Jesus' ministry as well. He comes and he has 12 disciples. And so he comes out of Egypt. Eventually they'll come out of Egypt. We're going to read it in a moment. And we see this take place. That he's not just uh, like physically taking them out of Egypt. But now he is spiritually taking Egypt out of them. So it's very important that this actually takes place. We actually, we've talked about it, Pastor Andy's talked about it in our pillars, like just because they left Egypt doesn't mean Egypt left them. That still they felt this yoke of slavery, this heaviness. And so Jesus going to Egypt and now physically coming out, he is now going to be the one that spiritually takes Egypt out of their hearts. That he doesn't have 12 tribes of Israel, but he has 12 disciples. That he didn't wander for 40 years, but he has 40 days of fasting and prayer before his ministry. Are you seeing the comparisons here? So it's actually quite important that this takes place. And now as parents, as families, it's our job with, of course, Jesus at the center, Jesus leading the way, to not let our families become slaves to Egypt again. That's actually the comparison here. That's how this all gets to us, is that it's our job to make sure that we do not become just slaves to Egypt or the culture or whatever it is, that the yoke of oppression around us doesn't weigh heavy, that it doesn't guide us, that we can make Jesus the center, the focus of our family, that he leads us out of those things, that he is our freedom, that he is our hope, and we follow him, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. No matter what, hear me again this morning, following God's agenda is a plan for your family, not your own. Let's keep reading. Verse 16, it says, When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem, Merry Christmas, everyone, and its vicinity, who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. 
Verse 17, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping the great, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because there are no more. And so a prophet's actually fulfilled in this action taken by Herod. Just to maybe put your hearts at ease, I was reading some, some different commentaries. I think many were between a dozen and 20, 20 children maybe were killed in this moment. I always read that as hundreds, thousands maybe. I wasn't sure. Um, I, hope, I hope the commentator is right. Now, we know all about Herod. Andy broke it down like, in a deep, powerful way uh, a sermon ago. He was, he was powerful. He was mad. He was a ruler. He was truthfully a dictator. He was also extremely insecure. And I do think, again, there's like kind of a parenting family lesson here. That his insecurity defined his decisions. His fear, and he said this too, impacted what he chose and how he led. His hunger for more power and more fame impacted his influence. And the people despised him for it. Isn't it interesting that when we, when we lead out of insecurity, we make rash decisions, quick decisions, and then are despised for it. When you make family decisions out of insecurity, that's when we're going to see difficulty. And I want to encourage you. We pray for families and we pray for you that you make family decisions out of your identity in Christ, not out of an identity crisis. Okay? I just want to say this honestly and boldly if I can. And again, I'm preaching to my heart. That you would make family decisions, guiding decisions, out of your identity in the loving grace of Jesus, not out of an identity crisis that you may find yourself in. That is to be worked out through the power and healing of Jesus not through the decisions you take your family on. And it, it's so interesting that Herod has this massive identity crisis, and so he starts killing children. He starts throwing things away. And like Andy said last week, on the day he was to die, he made sure that a bunch of Jewish leaders would be killed so people would mourn for him. Like he is as insecure a leader as they come. People despised him. I don't want to be an insecure leader. I don't want to be an insecure dad. I don't want to be an insecure husband. I don't want to be an insecure follower of Jesus. Friends, I have found Christ as Savior. He is my my hope. He is who is in my heart. My identity is placed in him. I am a new creation. I see him and he brings light into my life that when I make dumb decisions, he forgives me. This is Christ. This is the identity that we have as Christians. Let's take hold of it. And if you're leading your home, if you're a family or grandparent, I, Trina's, Trina has a grandfather who, who passed away not long ago. And he, I, I, I'm going to mess this up, but he had six kids. And they all had kids and grandparents. There was like 20 grandkids and 25 grandparents. And I look at this guy as like this patriarch, matriarch, mom and grandma and grandpa just together. And I'm like, I want to be a strong leader like that. But I know it doesn't start with just being a strong leader. It starts with Christ at my core, in my identity as a dad, as a husband, as just a follower of Jesus. So can I encourage you, if you're watching today, what a great time as the last Sunday together. What a great time to say, man, I just, my identity has to be with Christ if I want to be a great parent or a great leader or a great husband or wife or whatever it may be. Man, that's where it's found. Remember that identity. Remember that you are first a child of God. Amen? Worship team, don't sing that over us, but believe it for yourself. When you hear that song, like, I am a child of God. That is how he sees you no matter what age you are in this room. If you would just accept him as savior, he sees you, he adopts you as his own. He wants to help you. Friends, he, does, he doesn't want you parenting alone. He wants to do it with you. 
You know, there's a saying we say all the time in ministry that ministry is caught, not taught. And I can't think of how true that is just even for life. Like parenting and, and just, you know, like life is really just caught. It's not always taught. Like my kids pick up things that they, you know, shouldn't because I do them. You know, I, the other day Bo goes, oh, flip. And I'm like, oh no, like that is pretty close to another one that I got to be careful. Like, and he's only three. Like kids pick things up. Like people around us, we pick things up. Things are caught, not always taught. It's not just what you're saying, it's what we're doing. And so when our identity is wrapped up in anything other than Christ, when that moment comes of the identity crisis, if, or if it comes, I don't, want to be th- I don't want it to be that place, that brokenness that I lead out of, that we lead out of, that Trina leads out of. I want it to be our identity in Jesus. And Joseph has found it, hasn't he? We see it here. And it's funny, Herod hasn't. That the king who has all the advisors, who has all the money, who has all the splendor, all the things, he's really just an insecure man-child who doesn't know what to do with money, who doesn't know what to do with his life, and he's so threatened by a toddler infant baby that he makes rash decisions that leads to his demise. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be there. Herod chose his path, and we can choose ours, and that's to follow Jesus to make him the center. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to, excuse me, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Okay, so now they're still in Egypt. It's been a long time. Herod has now passed away. Verse 20. And said, get up, take the child and his mother to go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and then he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, Nazareth is this extremely, like, unconventional, no other word to say other than just politically and and personally and physically, like, lame place. This was not a tourist de- destination. This was not like, a, oh, let's go to Nazareth for the weekend. This was not Tofino, friends, or whatever your favorite spot is. It was not one of those spots. This was like this little miniature town. I kept thinking of different towns, that I, but I, I, that would just be mean. It's Boxing Day, and I don't want to do that. Um, it's this small, maybe 150, 200 people at the most. Like, this is an unconventional place to raise the Messiah, but what is so intriguing in this part of the story is that Herod is now dead. And the angel Lord tells him, go, get up, get out of Egypt. And so Jesus is now coming out of Egypt to find the place where they would stop and really finally, friends, settle. Finally settle. But then it says that he was afraid to go there. He being Joseph, having been warned in a dream, he was warned about it. So he withdrew to Galilee, and then the Bible says, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And I think this is where Joseph really begins to take some control. That discernment is coming in his heart. That didn't say the angel told him to go to Nazareth. It says that Joseph chose to go to Nazareth. That he actually made the decision that he is now in such a place where his identity is in Christ, where the angel has spoken to him enough times, there's relationship there, that he understands that protecting this child is at all costs. And so he finds himself making smart, discernible decisions for the sake of his family. 
And it's so interesting to me. Like, he's supposed to go to Israel, like back to the homeland. Like, like he's supposed to go back to this beautiful spot, but he finds himself in the most unlike conventional, like bad, like just not a great spot to raise a kid. And yet it's perfectly home for them. They start in Bethlehem. They go to Egypt. They're trying to get to Israel. Then they find themselves in the district of Galilee. And then they finally find themselves in Nazareth. And I just want to encourage you for families that, that, that we would become, that you would become a family that is interruptible. That you would be ready and okay that God may send you or tell you to do or, or do something that's a little bit unconventional. And I wonder if it would not just be like us preaching, me preaching at the six of the young adults that they're going to change the world and that they're going to have to do some unconventional, like wild things for Jesus. But even as the families of this church, that we would be ready and understand God in our heart as a family leading us in such a way that we would be ready to be interrupted in our family day. That we would be not so settled on the house with the picket fence that I don't really know my neighbors because that's why we build fences to get away from people. Like, not that we'd be so secure in our one spot and having it figured out. Is my pension right? I'm in the city I want to be in and all these pieces. But we would actually say, God, we're here for the season. We're ready. We're listening to you and whatever it takes. We're even willing to be interrupted in these plans if it means going wherever you're calling us to go. I want to be a family that's interruptible. And the thing is, I love change. Like, I'm all about it. I love control. I want to direct my own steps. I want to, I read this in a journal recently, and I felt like it was just such a convicting point for myself. And it literally said, I'd written down years ago, that until you're no longer prideful, you don't get to dictate your plans. I was like, well, there goes my life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was a joke about me being prideful. It's okay. It's okay. I get it. But let me say it like this. Until you're no longer corruptible, I think God wants us to be interruptible. And what God was saying to me was, until you can perfectly do your steps, Lucas, that's when you get to decide. The the thing is, friends, I'm not. I am corruptible. I'm not perfect. And that's why God's saying, you just got to trust me in this. This whole thing comes to this. These two thoughts as I close, like just trusting Jesus with your family, with whoever is around you with whoever that might be, a mom, a dad, like I've said, a brother or a sister. Friends, let's not take for granted our families. Let's love and endure in all that there is that is a family. Amen? Let's let's have these moments that are difficult and these moments that are like celebration. Let's have these moments that are peaceful and also difficult. Let's have all of those moments and let's not take for granted the people that you came with maybe even today the people that are on your left or on your right. I don't want to be so fixed on what my family life should be or what I should have altogether. I want to be convinced that God is the only thing I need to focus on when it comes to family. I, don't, I, don't, I want to be interruptible. I want to be like Joseph where I had to get up and then I had to get up and I had to get up. Why? For the goodness of my family and the goodness to glorify God. That's it. I just love this love that Joseph and Mary had for Jesus. They knew he was the Messiah. They knew his, they, they were their, you know, his earthly parents. The lengths they went to protect him, to steward, to support, it's inspiring. And I don't want to take for granted my kids or my family, my wife, my incredible wife. I want to be ready. I want to follow his agenda. I don't want to lead out of insecurity. 
And I want to be okay if God interrupts our plans, what I think family should look like, what I think my life should be, what I think what the next 10, 15, 20, my five-year, 20-year plans are. I want to be okay if God sends me or does something in my life that's difficult. You know what's so funny? I said, I love change, but I've been in this church for over 10 years. And I think for me, I would be ready to just, I just like getting doing fun things, different things, but I just feel this, this way to, to just be willing to do whatever God asked me to do, and that's to continue to steward what's in front. And so I think I'm not trying to ask you to get up and go or do this or that. I'm actually asking you to steward what's in the season as of now and to be ready if and when God says there's something else on the, on the horizon. That's what I think Joseph was doing. He stayed in Egypt a long time. And then God said, now it's time. Now it's time. My second thought for you as we kind of, as we wrap up, follow his agenda. Don't lead out of insecurity. Be interruptible. Final kind of main idea. God loves your family more than you do. Hear that this morning. God loves your family more than you do. And I know it's hard. I do. Every Christmas, Trina makes me watch Little Women. Okay, that's a, that's a lie. I make Trina watch Little Women. I'm kidding. It's, it's like a Christmas movie for us. <laughs> I don't know why. We watch it as we wrap gifts, like it's a couple nights before. If you haven't seen this movie, you've had like a hundred years to do so. I think the first one came out in like the 30s, so I might spoil some stuff. But there are some moments there where I don't know how else, but I, I, there's this moment where one of one of the daughters passes away. And I, Trina looked at me last, I couldn't even watch it. I couldn't even imagine. I love my little guy, Bo and Georgia and my wife so much. I know you have that same passion for kids and for family and for grandparents, that special aunt or uncle or whatever it may be. Or it's that, that, that dad's or mom's friend who's aunt or uncle, but not really aunt or uncle, you know? Or it's, or it's whoever it is in your family, in your context, and there's such a love and such a joy. And this is how good God is. This is how great his love is for you, that he actually sees you and he loves your family even more than you could ever that's who we serve. That's the God directing them. That's the God putting them here, being sovereign over it all, from Nazareth to Egypt to all over. God is for your family. He loves your family. He sees the families of this house. He sees the families watching online. He loves your family more than you do. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. Would you stand to your feet with me as we wrap up on our last Sunday of the year and Boxing Day? Can I encourage you to pray and lift up your family. Maybe you've come with your kids and they're downstairs. Take the next few moments to worship and pray over them. Maybe you've come alone today. Maybe you knew it yourself this season felt quite alone. That family was far away. You couldn't get to them because of roads or, or, or flights. You were in the house of God, friends. Welcome to the family. Maybe you want to accept Christ for the first time and know that no matter how often you feel alone, truthfully, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your advocate. He's your counselor. You are never alone, friends. But the team's going to play a song. Didn't plan it, but it's perfectly fitting that your family together here, us online, would be blessed this morning by the love and direction and guidance of God. Can I pray with you? In fact, would you posture yourself to receive? Because I believe you're going to receive in this moment. 
We said that at the start of the service, that this final service would not just be a, we would just, you know, wrap the bow on it, but we would actually press in a little bit. Team's coming, they're gonna play, but let me pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I pray for the parents in the room. I pray they'd, they'd, they would pray the prayer of less control and more of Christ reigning in their house. God, I pray that the agendas of every person here would be your agenda for their life and not their own. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bless the homes, the marriages, the couples. You would bless the the families here, the single individuals. You would bless every single person, young and old, in this house today. God, would you unite families that have felt a bit of separation lately in Jesus' name. God, for the, for the prodigal, the, the, the far away, I pray that you would bring them home. Would you bring a new relationship, new love and covenant within the house under your power, under your ability, under your healing. God, I pray for grace and forgiveness to happen in marriages in Jesus' name. God, that we would be quick to ask for forgiveness, quick to be humble, quick to posture ourselves with patience and not to be the leader, the insecure leader that Herod was. God, I pray for leaders of moms and dads in here, leaders of grandparents in here, leaders, God, to rise up to, to honestly lead our families towards you, Jesus, towards your love for us. And Lord, right now, we just receive, God, what I believe is a blessing you want to bestow upon us. Bless the moms and dads in here. Bless the kids in here. Bless the single individuals. Bless us, God, wherever we may be, whatever our context may be, to be more after you and less after ourselves. More after your, your goals and less after our goals. God, for those who are holding little ones right now, I pray you would devote them as parents to love that child, to raise them up in your eyes, to raise them up in a way that would honor you. God, I pray that you would give them a capacity and a strength and a grace to be through the hard moments for the parents watching at home that are tired, that are running through a difficult moment through Christmas, finances, whatever it may be. Would you bless them and watch over them? Guide them and direct them. Be, God, what they need today in Jesus' name. God, I pray that the end of 2021 would look upward, would be optimistic, would have you at the center, that we would not look down on this year just wishing it away, but you want to speak something, a word to us before the year is done. And I pray you'd speak it now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. And everybody said, let's receive this morning. Let's sing together one more time.